Welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts, and I believe that we all have a purpose, and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. Welcome to People with Purpose, Patrick McAndrew who is a founder and CEO of um, Ahara, uh, which is uh, which is a coaching uh, business that really brings um, personal development to the person by the sounds of it. You know, so we talk about personal development in businesses, leadership development, um, but actually how people uh, develop themselves as individuals in a life context has a massive influence on how they uh, perform, behave, and how that translates into a work context. And if I've got that right, that's the kind of core ethos that you that you work with. Is that right, Patrick? It, it is. It is very much so. And the point of entry that we come at from everything is about is shaped around cognitive health. So we we really try and develop the foundations of your attention, your capacity to focus both in the moment, but also over the course of the long term, having a deep awareness of how you manage your relationship with technology. Those are those are the particular areas where we focus and draw our attention. It's It seems evident that it would be described as a coaching business. I'm still wrestling with that as a descriptor because <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not ever an intent that I had that that's what mm. this would be. Yeah. Really, in its in its inception and its creation, it was about giving people pragmatic and practical skills to develop that we use in our daily life, but we never actually have an awareness of how we use them. So, for example, our attention, the ability to focus, reading, processing and retaining information. These are things that we do constantly throughout the day, but we never actually are taught or have an awareness because nobody brings our awareness to how we do these things. And then we can end up becoming quite frustrated with ourselves or feeling like we are our own greatest obstacle. And really, it's just that we need to understand some of the pragmatic and foundational skills that we use on a daily basis. And that's our point of entry with Hara, is that we try and develop these specific skills. And in doing so, they become success multipliers in many areas of your life. So um, this is this conversation is happening at exactly the right time for me because 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 um, I need help. I have okay. I have uh, I have a uh, and by the way we didn't book this call just so I could get some free uh, some 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 free uh, therapy uh, from me. Uh, but um but but yeah um so many so many days at the moment seem to be populated overpopulated by things that I would call distractions. They are, um, this job needs to be done. You know, that, that, that small thing, which kind of is urgent, but not important necessarily, that needs to be done first. If I can get that out of the way, I'll just be able to focus on the stuff that I really want to be doing. Um, oh, I better just pick up uh, th this message because I'm expecting something back from this person on this topic. So I just better just see if they've sent me a message. 
okay, they've not sent me a message, but I can see there's a new message from somebody else. So I'll just respond to that while I'm there. All of these kind of things on a daily basis right now seem to be plaguing my ability to really focus on what I think matters most. Is that the kind of thing you help people to fix? Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely at the root of it. Okay. So maybe we can use you over this conversation as a guinea pig yeah. and a metaphor or uh, what's happening in other people's lives, because we get to have conversations with people across different industries, different generations, different cultures, and the, the conversations are always quite similar, mm. uh, where there's similar similar habits of mind, which are being curated in the world that we live in today. Mm. So I, I would love if you would if you would be uh, willing to share, then we can we can have a conversation about you, which I think will be very relevant to what the position that many others are in as well. Yeah, yeah, I'd be very happy to, to do that. So yeah, lead on. So a question, a question that I have for you is in saying that the distractions keep getting in the way, what happens when you actually try and focus on the things that matter? Because I imagine you do get some time to do that. So it, does that mean that suddenly when you do focus, you find yourself being deeply focused? Or even when you try to focus, you keep being pulled away because ideas spring to mind and things that could and should be done arise and something that you've tried to dedicate 60 minutes to, you've actually only spent five minutes on. Does that seem to happen as a pattern as well? So I guess what happens is I am, if I, if I set the intention to focus, I, I can focus. I have this kind of uh, like a, what's the, the Pomodoro type technique that I use. Mm -hmm. So I can, I can knuckle down for 25 minutes and really focus on some, on some quality work. But I have to be really intentional about that. I have to kind of go through the process of setting an alarm for that to, for that to happen. Um, if I don't do that, then if in the context of doing a piece of work, or like I say, trying to, to, to do a piece of focus work, if I do, for example, pick up uh, my phone to do some research or uh, go onto a web page, for example, to do some research, and I happen to open up my browser and it's on my emails and I see something, that's the point when I, I might get um, distracted. Um, like I say, if I've set the intention, that seems to make a big difference for me. Okay, so let's talk about some of the things that are worthy of that intention. Like what are the things in this moment of your life that you think do matter, that that are what you want to pursue could you could you explain and describe some of them yeah definitely so um so one of them is around um a, a business business strategy so um so there's 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 challenges in the market that we're currently operating in at the moment in in in, in the main business that, that, I'm, that i'm working in so so focusing very much on what should our plan of attack be uh, getting into the uh, the numbers and uh, and then formulating new plans and strategies new um ways we can do marketing campaigns for example to uh, to, to to grow and get more traction those kind of things that would be would be a, would be a high priority um, and um, also, uh, you know, developing um, the podcast would be a high priority uh, activity as well. So, um, so you know, in new guests and, and new content for the podcast, uh, that would be a high priority as well. And then I suppose a third thing would be quality time with, with, with family, quality time with, um, with my wife and, and, and children. We're, we're, we're renovating a house at the moment. And so lots of urgent things come up there. So the only conversations we seem to have at the moment seem to be about 
tiles or floor coverings or we haven't got enough adhesive for this that or the other so um so i'd like some quality time in and amongst the aggravation of uh, of, of a renovation project understood okay so the quality time one with family is an interesting one unto itself but maybe if we could just isolate and speak about the business strategy in the podcast mm-hmm. and those those priorities that you have so you understand that, that there are things that you want to improve on and to pursue but they keep being you keep being pulled away from them by other things mm-hmm. so what are you being pulled away by and how do you structure your energy to work on these things? So when when is it that you plan to commit time and energy to work on, say, the podcast or the business strategy? And when and how do you get pulled away? Okay. So um I'm better in I'm better in the morning. So I wake up and I'm quite actively um you know, my, my mind's more active in the morning. I'm really wake up with a real kind of focus and kind of right, let's go. Um so um that that's the time that I allocate. And quite often a phone call can come in or a um a meeting request can come in or or something like that that then maybe pulls you off 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 course and if if it's if it's coming from from a customer that feels like a high priority as well i suppose so it feels like you can kind of justify that because it's a customer you should be responding to it um and also if it's uh if it's a um you know, relating to a to a to a person, to a to a people challenge or whatever that that can kind of um, again seem important. Um, and um, so so, but again, they probably could wait for an hour, two hours. Uh, some of those things, um, if I was it, really focused on trying to get some deep work done. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So this is interesting. I think I think there's a theme that we can kind of explore here, which is about the. Two things, uh, which is the the trap of convenience and the trap of availability. Mm-hmm. So, in uh, let's talk about the trap of availability first. So, in many aspects of our life, we are it, this. A lot of this comes down to it being clear on what your source of value is. So, you, David Roberts, need to be clear on what your source of value is at this moment in your life. And and that source of value is actually very much linked to your sense of purpose. So it's, it's a very fluid thing. It's very changing. It can be changed by the season. It can sometimes even change by the week. But the hope is, is that there's something that you feel that it's in pursuit of. It's moving towards something. There's a larger image, vision, idea that you have that you want to take from this imagined world within your mind into a reality. And that would be to integrate a new strategy or to expand the reach of the podcast and maybe to uh, bring a certain new touch to it that isn't at the moment, whatever it might be within your own idea. But for that, we have to make sure that there's enough availability given to that and that you are valuing yourself in achieving that. Now, what often happens is we don't go through that act of reviewing that and in an unconscious way, because of the feedback we get, our sense of value is based on our responsiveness and how available we make ourselves to the world around us. So as I am needed, I am there. As you want me, I'll respond. And if that in an unconscious way becomes how you derive a sense of value, or even in a social context, it could be how aware you are of what's happening in the culture. 
So for example, if people are talking about the recent Netflix show, or they're talking about a viral video at the moment, and you're in there in the conversation and contributing, and you're delighted that you're able to contribute in that conversation, in a sense, you know, you're you're valuing yourself in the social context. I actually live on the other side of that screen, and I'm often missing out in those conversations, but I actually use that as a sense of my own value. Because I know that my time isn't being wasted in the kind of deluge of the momentary viral moments, but I know that I'm pointing myself in the direction that I want to move towards. Hmm. So I had fallen for the trap of availability that I thought that the more available I was by spreading myself on the virtual plane so that it was easier to touch me, that that was better. But what I've done is I've condensed and tightened that range of availability, which means that in the real world, which means the real time that I have with myself, I'm more available to me. Because the more we spread ourselves in the virtual plane, the less available we are in the real plane of life. So that's one thing to explore. And that can mean that that's the spread of your virtual presence, like the amount of social profiles you have, the amount of news outlets you look into, the amount of email addresses you have, the amount of bank accounts you have, the amount of subscriptions you have. You can, uh, we, in our program, the Momentum Mind program, we have people go through an inventory of accessibility. So, you know, in an unconscious way, we say yes to all of these things that make us more available and accessible. And then we don't realize that it's it's brought so much uh, clutter into our own minds mm. because the, tr- the the real danger with say, having lots of social profiles, is you can't just create it and come back and check in a week's time. You have to check it, not just every day, but multiple times a day, because it becomes an extension of you. A lady who I spoke with two weeks ago told me that Instagram is the most toxic relationship she's ever had. (laughs) Instagram has now become, it's not just an app, but to be a relationship, it means that you have to be in relation to an object or a person. So she sees it as a kind of a living thing. It's it's a toxic relationship. It's an unhealthy relationship. She is bound to it. Hmm. And I think that's interesting that just putting herself out there in that virtual identity, it's actually, you know, it's done something to her real sense of self. Yeah. So that's that's one that I would speak to a lot, that if you can become clearer on what your sense of value is, that will change how available and where you make yourself available. That's really interesting because I do have about, uh, I've got what, well, not about, exactly 14 vision statements, which I am cycling through on a daily basis and, uh, you know, reflecting on, meditating on, and, uh, uh, well, actually, the theory is that I should be doing that each morning in that high energy time. The truth is I probably do it three, four days out of seven. So I don't have that consistency yet, which I need to have, I think, to kind of hold me um, in in focus on those areas. Because what can then happen as a result of not, I suppose, consistently focusing um, is that you lose one or two days, and then all of a sudden, then you feel you feel behind. So you're you're you're, you're putting the chase on, um, and um, so so yeah. And and I've I've been talking a lot actually about. Um, to anyone that will listen, and as you're here, <laughs> thank you very much for availing yourself of this once again. This, like I say, I mentioned this renovation project. It, it is a great thing to do, and it's a great privilege. And I've described it. I don't know if this is appropriate to describe it as a first world problem, but it, but it, but it is. It's, 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 it's a challenge which I'm very lucky to have to be able to renovate a house. But it's not my vibe. It's not my vision. It's not my highest value. It's not my purpose. I could probably still be living in 
you know, a, a, a one, one to two bed apartment that I was living in 20 years ago. Um, uh, but so, so, but so my, my wife, Penny is the main driver behind this, this change and I'm trying to be supportive, but it's taking a long time. So, so that's, that's proving, so there's that kind of underlying frustration now, I suppose, which kind of knits in, in amongst that, which again, I suppose can distract you from your vision, even if you've got it written down, even if you're looking at it every day. Yeah, but then there is also the there's also the necessity to treat the reality as it is. Mm. You know, to treat the there's 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 something that is that can be quite dangerous. And uh, this is something we also try and and I've been spending more and more time on with the participants in our programs is before you even try and give too much credence or energy to the person that you wish to become it's more valuable to unearth and unravel the patterns and habits that live within you at the moment because because when we when we create these visions and ideas for ourselves we do it in a highly typically you know it can either kind of happen in two ways it can happen from a place of stability and peace where you're doing it from a, a deeply rational and and curative sense of yourself or it can happen in a very reactive manner where you know you've just you've just overeaten or you've had a terribly lazy day or you're feeling stressed because the business isn't doing well enough and then in response and reaction to those emotional feelings you create this grand vision to make you feel good so it can kind of happen in both ways hmm. but nonetheless it is the it is from the lower regions of our brain the more primitive, emotive, reactive regions of our brain that most of our patterns and habits live out from so they come they come to bear when we're in our more stressed states of mind and it's often much more effective to review and reflect on why they're there so you know i one that i speak about sometimes is that i grew up in a household of repressed eaters we were all tried to be very healthy during the week and then my mom was a single mother and on friday evenings we'd sit down on the couch and we would devour a chocolate and ice cream and then on saturday we'd wake up and she'd make a green juice and it's as if we deny all the activities that we did on friday <laughs> and that created a very unhealthy pattern in uh, both how i saw food as this treat of something so it became associated in that way mm-hmm. and but in seeing it as a treat it wasn't able to be enjoyed because it was as if it was as if the guards the the moral police had stepped away for a moment and we best devour as much as we can in that period of time and that, that stayed with me for much of my 20s. And it was this it was this gestation between me trying to reinforce this higher view of myself and denying this lower element of myself, which was a pattern that I had inhabited from my childhood. And really, I didn't need to spend more time being so clear on the higher view. I had to come to look at the lower elements of myself and allow that to unravel. And then it unraveled into becoming a more natural and aligned part of me where I could just explore that. So in the case of what you're experiencing with the renovations, maybe it's worth recognizing how there's always a lot of value and experience from all of the things that we have available to us in life. So maybe it's not to deny the experience, but actually to lean into it more and to put a more organizing system in your mind of what's truly possible at this moment in time and to fully immerse yourself in the activities that you wish to pursue rather than sometimes we are involved in one thing and we're shifting our state of mind to another. And just to maybe speak about this for a little moment, David, is this is a conversation I had with a 
team at Lincoln Financial yesterday, where you know a theme that comes up quite a lot is is both resiliency and the capacity to be present in life. And we were talking about the different different brain systems which are in place, such as the dopamine control system, which is what you're enacting when you're looking at those affirmations. But the dopamine desire circuit, which is happening when we end up on our digital platforms, or in the case of what I was saying, when I would revert back to unhealthy eating patterns. And we can be caught in these systems which are constantly projecting imagined futures. Yet the real experience of life is in a completely different state of mind, which is referred to as the here and now system which is where we truly experience the presence of things, the taste of things, the touch of things, the, the experience of it. Um, sometimes what we just need is a little bit more of that, that, that contextual element of life and not the, the persistent foresight. Okay, right. So that, that sounds, um, that make, makes sense to me, but it sounds quite deep. So I'm quite intrigued you're having these conversations with, Companies like Lincoln Financial <laughs> Group, which which would be quite, quite, I imagine. I don't know much about it, but I imagine as a, as a as a business, it's quite a quite a corporate, quite a quite a hard edge. Quite a conservative environment. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, exactly, exactly. And and yeah, you're having these quite deep conversations. I mean, how 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 does that pan out? It's a surprise to people because the representation of our programs is around high performance and productivity, and that's true, but. What we want is we want to dig into the human being that a lot of, you know, a lot of the things that we do are coming from more unconscious places. So if we can bring an awareness to those unconscious patterns, things will things will resolve themselves. But if we keep layering on judgments of our lower selves and we keep reinforcing these visions of our higher selves, we keep deepening ourselves into this unrealistic world, this world that we wish we could be in, but this denial of the world that we're actually living in. So this comes to light. People get to have very meaningful conversations. They get to share what they're going through. And the essence and the through point of everything that we're exploring is coming back to our attention. Because if you if you look at technology and the way that we use it today, it is it is in many ways, pointless to come out with these very rational statements, like put the phone away at nighttime, which I think is a great exercise, but it's very hard to do because the reason why people use the phone is because it's a pacifier, because they don't know how to wind down in the evening. They don't know how to rest themselves. They don't know how to settle into their own thoughts. So of course, rationally, you should put the phone away, but we must explore the deeper emotional terrain of why it's being used. So if we're going to help people mediate and create a more healthy relationship with technology to get there, they have to develop a more healthy relationship with themselves. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I would imagine if you're, um, it's just like you know, putting together a, a strategy for a business. If you, if you do, do the visioning bit, but you don't come back to, okay, what's the current situation? You can't, you can't then put the building block, the action steps in to take you from where you currently are to where your vision is aiming for. So it sounds like what, you, what, what you're saying is that actually in order to get to that vision, you do actually need to embrace the, the challenges of and the tension in the current reality um, 
and really understand that first and actually potentially be a little bit a little bit grateful for that in a way uh, so that you can then okay take the good bits of that and and use that as an energy to drive you forward is that is that the kind of thing that you're looking to do 100% because that's where resiliency comes from so resiliency is a theme and a topic which is explored so much today hmm. and the reason why we are so we are so lacking resilience is because we are so disconnected from ourselves so anytime the environment internally or externally starts to shift towards something that we don't feel comfortable with we feel weak we feel frail we feel as though because technology feeds us this illusion that we can control and curate the ideal experience i i wrote about this uh, about 2 months ago just a small illustration of it which is a recent uber feature that allows you to choose your conversation preference so you can choose if you want to converse or not converse with your uber driver and while to some people at the outset of that and looking at it might think that's great that's a great feature because if i've got a work call or if i'm hungover or i'm stressed and i don't want to chat to the driver i can just choose and then i can decide the environment before i go into it but actually it's an illusion because it starts to give you these illusions of control because what about if the uber driver turns around and speaks to you how do you respond then suddenly you have the expectation that why didn't you look at my my notification my preference in advance why are you not respecting the boundaries that i've set but you have you have to you have to experience this in a highly adaptive situation that's where we that's what makes us magnificent as social creatures is that we learn to be adaptive in these different environments and our dependency on technology has allowed us to escape from the volatility of life rather than leaning into it hmm. so and interestingly if we come back to the origins of this conversation which was you and exploring your paths and your patterns david mm. an interesting one is to set aside some days it could be monday wednesday monday tuesday wednesday let's say for example that some days are creator days or creator mornings and some periods of time are more collaborative periods of the day so what ends up happening is is that we don't distinguish between both sides because life has become so deeply collaborative and especially the work that we do and that can lead into the whole day being around communication but very little work actually being done because we're constantly in communication with each other so if you're trying to actually produce and create something there must be a dedicated time for that creative work but it's no good just putting that down in the calendar you have to create the conditions that block out any inputs whatsoever so that means keeping your phone off and not looking at it until maybe 11am or maybe you need your phone but you need to block out certain apps that people can reach you on so you can use the freedom app a fantastic app which will shut down those apps or access to the internet for a particular period of time but we must create the conditions so that we're not reachable and it makes it inconvenient for us to go out and find another link or to go down a rabbit hole because that becomes the trap of convenience that if we make access to things and people to access us too convenient it means that the things that we want to do and that we need to do become very inconvenient mm. to get out yeah and have you have you seen as we've as we've gone through the sort of the stay at home period and then come out the other side of that uh following that the, the the pandemic have you seen any change in uh, um, need for people to be aware of or manage that you talked about uh, creating collaboration time uh, in a different way. Um, I guess I'll tell you why I asked the question. It's because 
you see you see people working from home maybe maybe a couple of days a week and, and and then maybe to do their deep work and then going into the office maybe for a couple of days a week and doing their collaboration work there i'm just wondering if that's changing the pattern a bit because actually deep work for a whole day for anybody is probably a bit of a stretch yeah it is it is um maybe before i speak about that i'll tell you a little story about a about a conversation i had with a physicist when was it? It was last November. I so I was on a flight from Boston to Charlotte, and she was uh, she was just finishing a project in Harvard, a very interesting project that she was uh, collaborating on, and she was returning to Charlotte, where which is where she taught, where her her base was, and we were talking about this topic of attention and and how our attention is being fragmented. Now, she as a physicist, the, the root of her work, so if we come back to like the source of value, uh, there's many things that she does, but the thing which is most important, most valuable to her, the thing that she wants to make the most impact in is the, is the deep work that she does. So thinking through computational and mathematical problems and equations. And in the last three years, her cognitive capacity for it is completely reduced to what it used to be. And her belief of why that is, is because she actually only got a smartphone three years ago. She never had a smartphone before this. So as a physicist, the Internet will not provide her with any answers when she has questions. She just needs to stay with the problem. So she needs to, you know, she spoke about how she used to be able to stay focused on problems and engaged and loved it, loved that burning sensation that she felt within for about five or six hours. And that was where she would just dedicate her time to that space. And then she would retreat and return the next day. She said she would really struggle to even dedicate 90 minutes to that type of work today because she doesn't feel like she has the cognitive capacity to do so. She feels like her brain has changed. And this has been written about in the book, The Shallows. But I also spoke to a gentleman at another company and he was in one of our programs and he gave me a great line because he was working as a risk. He was working on the risk side of the investment business and he was comparing the man that he was 10 years ago to the man that he is today. And the amount that he felt like he was able to pursue in life and to get done in the way that is the quality of his professional and personal life. And today he's at home, but he's working for about 12 hours, but feeling like he's less productive. And he said, I have all of the intention, but no attention. Hmm. And I thought that was an incredible line because so often we will think that the issues here are issues of motivation, but they are not issues of motivation. They're issues of how our attention is being organized. So yes, it is helpful, I think, for people to be at home to do deep work and then to arrive into the office to collaborate. But what's more important is how they're organizing their attention with the tools that they use. Because even while you're at home, if you wake up, to, if you use your phone as an alarm clock and you roll over and the first thing you do is look at the news and your emails and the sports, you've set, you've set off the pattern of fragmenting your attention for the whole day because you've just missed the opportunity to direct yourself for the day. So it, it comes down to how you organize. And, and the thing is, is that the world we're living in today, the issues are issues of abundance. They're not issues of scarcity. So we're having to learn a whole new series of mental mechanisms that before we had, we had, we had limitations and we were trying to fight through those limitations to create the visuals, the imaginations, the experiences which we wanted. Now we're being given too much and we're trying to fight against it. And we're having to establish boundaries against the abundance of things which are being sent to us. Mm -hmm. 
So what um what tips do you then give people to navigate that crucial first 60 minutes of each day? So it begins the night before. It begins with rest, the quality of your rest. And we give a huge amount of attention to how you rest. You know, it's it's something to learn in and of itself. And of course, there is the act of falling asleep, which we do, but sometimes we don't even we're not aware of the quality of our sleep. So let's talk through a few things. Uh, ideally, you want to be planning out tomorrow, today. And for a lot of people, they will do that and then stop because they find that they don't get to fulfill the intentions that they set. So they say to themselves, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at you know these themes like time blocking or, or setting priorities, so I'm not going to do it. Our belief is that actually the using the act of planning tomorrow today is a great feedback system. It shows you what isn't working and what is working. So it means that you get to see and you get to get feedback on yourself. Were my expectations too high? Do I spend too long on tasks? Do I allow myself to get too distracted? So what if you tried to set out three priorities and you only got half of the first one done? Use that as feedback for reviewing yourself at the end of the day. That's what it's most powerful for. So plan tomorrow today. That's helpful because it'll give you feedback on the next day. It also gives you a chance to reflect on the current day. And more importantly, it gives you a sense of organizing yourself. So you don't have to carry uncompleted tasks into the evening in, within your mind. You can say, I've written it down. I've organized it. I can retreat from the work and I can re re bring myself to my personal world, which is away from that. Then in the evening, there's different things that we, different kind of protocols that we recommend people to go through. But I think the most important one is to get an alarm clock and get your phone out of the bedroom. And now that's a challenge that we're trying to set for people to experience that for 30 days, because that is a huge knockdown implication in your morning. So if you, if you don't use your phone as an, so let's just explore what happens when you do use your phone. If it's there, and you are restless and you're agitated, it's so easy just to roll over and pick it up. If you have a thought, uh, something you want to learn more about, an idea you have, it's so easy to pick it up and go and look at it. So it's too convenient. Once again, it's, an, it's a consequence of abundance, not scarcity. It's too convenient. So if you keep it out of your bedroom, what you'll find is that there will be a lot of agitation and discomfort in the void of having your phone there. You're so used to having it and it's become something that regulates how you feel and your nervous system. So you're going to have to find new techniques, new methods to learn how to calm yourself down because you came, you became so dependent on the phone. So looking at breathing practices, some yin yoga, some stretching, taking a shower, putting pajamas on, reading a book, but not with the light that's too bright, different things that you can do. But exercises that you can relate to that feel like they start to calm you down, start to start to reduce the level of cognitive energy that's there, but also the kind of the, the energy that's in your body. You need to transition into that state of rest. Then if you have that, now suddenly in the morning, your natural instinct is going to be to look at the phone because for years that's happened. And your natural instinct is that by looking at the phone, that sets me up for the day. So now you're going to find a new set of tools and skills of what you do, and you're going to have to self-direct yourself. So that could be, of course, I brush my teeth, I have a shower, but what happens after that? Do I stretch? Do I go outside? Do I exercise? But what do I do in the void 
of being directed by my phone. And the reason why that's so important in the morning is because if you wake up and you see that there's a stream of WhatsApp messages and emails and notifications from different things, you are not able to get back to them the minute you wake up. You're just coming online. So what happens is, is that sets the effort, that sets the motion of fragmenting your attention because you're automatically training yourself to not face into what you're, is being, you're being confronted with. So I'm getting a message, but I'm just going to push it back. And of course, in an hour is later, when you go to your phone, there's going to be more things there and you're going to push more back more things. So you're creating a, an expanding inbox within your own mind. So I would recommend turning to the phone when you're ready to face it. When ideally you've got some of the important things done for the day. So you reduce the inputs until you've actually been able to dedicate your energy to the quality outputs. Mm. Now, this will be uncomfortable. Just because I'm expressing it and saying it doesn't mean it can easily be done. It's a practice. It's something to learn from. Some days you'll be able to do it better than others. Some days when you're emotionally feeling wrecked, you'll see that you'll be more interested in getting on your phone than actually directing yourself. But this is all the pattern of awareness. So you decide what time you can look at your phone. You decide what happens before that. And you decide what to do with that feeling of agitation, which is the feeling of spending time with yourself. Yeah, it's um, it's a challenge because I sometimes catch myself um, and, and get quite frustrated myself, actually, when I realise that I've, uh, I've caught myself uh, you know, looking at my phone again and picking up my phone again, um, and it is uh, it is bizarre because I'm generally speaking pretty good on the kind of Netflix stuff and the TV and all of that, and I I've got a rule about no TVs in bedrooms, much to my family's disgust. But um, but, yeah, but pho phones phones have, have have crept in there, unfortunately, and uh, and and I can I can be quite good at uh, doing the. Um, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to put it put it away for for three hours, and I'm not looking at it for, for the next three hours. And every now and then, I'll do that as a kind of an exercise. But it's that consistency that I find I find hard to. Uh, well, actually, maybe I've just I don't find it hard. I've just not committed to it, so I've not felt that tension to see what it feels like. Yeah, and because it, it, it does need that consistency, and then the act itself needs to be linked to your. You know, it, it needs to be, and this is, it, we're learning, we're having to learn new mental faculties to deal with these new tools in our lives. Uh, because if we just allow ourselves to adapt to their natural rhythm, which many of us are doing, we're finding the implications of it. It's, it's fragmenting our cognitive, uh, it's fragmenting our attention, it's reducing our cognitive capacities, mm. it's uh, dysregulating us. So it, you need a, a kind of a, you do need a broader vision and a broader view of how you wish to live and that you start to recognize that almost like picking up the donut for breakfast, you're like, oh God, am I really going to do this? Because I know what this means to me. Yeah. So it's the same, it's the same thing that if you're going to pick up the phone, it, it has to represent something mm. that it's, it's the contrast between the life that you wish to live and the life that you don't wish to live. And you must be quite clear on what it is that life that you wish to live. Mm. And so, and so, what do you say to people who who say to you, um, "That's all. That's all well and good, uh, but that's just not realistic." Because what if there's an emergency? What if there's something important that that really needs to be done? What if um, my boss needs to get hold of me? What if the kids need sorting out? What if? What if? What if? What, what, what do you say to, to to people who who kind of come with those objections? I'd say take responsibility for your own life. You know, what do you, th what do you think 
What do you think you'll get if you don't? What do you think you'll get if you keep living on this path? You know, these the way that these tools are designed are designed for engagement. So if you want to be fully engaged, go ahead and do it. But if you're feeling that pain and that discomfort because you want to live a certain way, but you feel as if you keep being pulled away from it, then take responsibility. And if you're not willing to, then the things that I'm sharing won't be enacted. Hmm. But there's no, there's no, you know, just simple. And, and the other thing about this is that just being aware of what I'm saying is, is just the insight. Hmm. The learning is your own experience. You must practice it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you going down to the pub and saying what I'm saying means nothing. It means that it's, and that's, that's another thing that I'd like to talk about here, David, as well, is that learning is learned through experience. It's not learned through, through consumption. In school, we learned through consumption and we see how redundant it is. It doesn't carry over into much. And I mean, I think this is, I think we're having a very meaningful conversation and this is fantastic. And I hope that it offers some value to others, but don't be fooled by thinking that just watching a YouTube video or listening to me on this podcast is in and of itself the effect. The effect is in doing the action. So I'm seeing more and more in conversations I have with people that they engage and like I had a conversation with a guy about YouTube shorts two weeks ago where he was saying it's great. You know, it's providing me a lot of powerful nuggets of knowledge. I said it is. But watch yourself. You're going to be at a dinner tables and you're going to start talking about things that you watched in those YouTube shorts. And if somebody probes you and questions you on that knowledge, you have nothing to back it up with because it's not your knowledge. Hmm. You don't really know what you're talking about. You're just becoming a mouthpiece for things that you've heard. So I also hear people who talk about, you know, uh, eat, watching videos while they're eating their food because they want to be productive, because they want to use their time effectively to learn. That's not really learning. That's just infotainment. So be careful. Be really careful about these things. We're immersed in shallow forms of entertainment and easy forms of pleasure. And that's why it's only those, I think, who will be truly awake that will find that they're able to you know, live the life that they want in this world. Mm. Everybody else is to some degree going to be held captive. And that's kind of a dark thing to say, but it's worth calling it out. I totally agree. I'm just reflecting on my own, uh, my own experience a little bit. And, and so, because I do like to consume uh, content, but I do notice that if I'm watching a certain kind of thing, so I'm, I'm looking uh, I'm getting lots of stuff popping up on my feed right now about uh, about 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 coaches and coaching activity because I've been doing some research into coaching, and you get more and more and more of it. Same same with um, uh, 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 DJs and, uh, and and classic house tracks and all that kind of stuff because I, I quite like that. So because because so the more you look at it, the more the more you get back. So, and I have to be very very careful um, about. Uh, about how sucked into that, but I I now have a bit of a kind of a recognition that I get this sort of trigger, and I, I wouldn't call it anxiety, but it's um it's almost more um I get cro I get a, a, a sensation of feeling cross with myself uh, because I've I, I've 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 done the whole kind of scroll thing four or five times, and I'm seeing a similar sort of thing. It's like mm, this is I'm cross with myself for falling into that trap. So that's one thing. I'm sort of developing that awareness, and I suppose continually refining that awareness over time. The other thing that I've noticed is, um, because I am uh, imperfectly applying some of this stuff, and it, I've noticed that if I, I if I don't 
reflect on my vision in the morning on one day, I can live with that. Everything's fine. Two days is okay. If I don't do it for three days, I get really crabby on the fourth day and I feel a bit kind of like I've lost contact with my direction of travel. And the impact that has on me is that I'm then more distracted or more readily distracted by the kind of, I guess I get that you mentioned a dopamine uh, a hit earlier on. I guess maybe I, I need those dopamine hits more from the distractions and from the, the feeling that I'm helping somebody else or, uh, or just watching something that kind of gives me that sense of gratification, getting a like on a post I've put on social media, whatever it might be. I need those things more if I've not looked at my vision for kind of three days on the banks. James Williams has written about this. The book is either called Stand Out of Our Light or Get Out of Our Light. Okay. And he has, he has a wonderful analogy in it, which is that it's, it's as if we have a spotlight of attention, which is what you're using when you're reading or in a conversation or engaged in something direct. You have your starlight of attention, which is this sense of the space that you're moving towards, the person you're becoming, the things that you wish to achieve. And the final one is your daylight of attention. So that's the kind of overall reflective nature of, of how you're feeling, which is which is in some sense even like the feedback that you're getting from how your body feels, where you say that you're cross. Like in a sense, that is like your daylight of attention. It's this overall awareness. It's not really directed to any specific thing. It's, it's just a, a broad awareness. Mm. But in many ways, what's happening and what can happen in today's world is that because our because our spotlight of attention is being fragmented all of the time, we get no space or it's maybe engaged all of the time because it, the the ironic thing about the world that we live in today is that we're over focused. So it's not that it's it's that we're so focused all the time that we have no space to actually reflect and disengage. We're always engaged. And it's because of that constant state of focus that we cannot focus. You know, we cannot focus on that which we want because we're constantly focused on something. And Linda Stone has spoken about this as continuous partial attention. So we're not multitasking anymore, but we're always partially attending to many things at once. So there's no, there's no single objective. There's actually no objective. It's just a constant level of engagement. Hmm. And, and what this does then is that this, this gives us no space to connect with and be present with our starlight of attention. Because that starlight of attention, like your vision, is essentially a decision filter for the rest of the day and hopefully a decision filter for the rest of the week because it gives you this sense of this, this kind of temperature check of does this align with the space that I want to move into? And if you don't have access to that, then you're just making micro decisions throughout every moment throughout the day because you're responding to how you feel in this very moment rather than actually holding, which is a very important cognitive faculty that we have developed, which is the capacity to think beyond this present moment and to move towards future vision. So that's just, um, he, he has framed that very nicely. And I just wanted to share that because I think it speaks to what you were talking about in, if you don't check in with that document after four days, what you probably find is that you're just caught in the chaos of the moment to moment experience, which is trapped within a very fragmented spotlight of attention. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess, um, I guess, but partly the way I looked at that was if you've got a kind of like a GPS and you're you're in a plane, you're kind of always off course, but you're always nudging yourself towards the destination. With you know, but that's a, that's on a, on a quite a high frequency to keep you on course. Um, if you leave it four days, you know, 
it's a bit like my golf shots. They're going to be, uh, <laughs> going to be. They might start off looking like they're going somewhere near the hole, but by the time they get there, they've hooked or sliced onto a different fairway. And it's the, yeah, yeah. Here's me sounding like I play golf. I've not played golf for years, which is, but that's the reason why. But I suppose um, what I'm keen to understand is because you work with organisations as well as individuals, um, what kind of um, expectations? Uh, should should people have of their employers if people are kind of as individuals wanting to regain control over their attention so they can really follow the intention uh, and and be productive and and make a difference uh, for their employers what 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 do they need from their employers to enable them to be able to do that so they need they need um there's a few things that we can speak about which they need they they need to be able to set aside time to actually do impactful work and collaborative work. And sometimes collaborative work is very impactful work. But in a lot of organizations, the thing that kicks off the day is the meetings. And then people try and do the important work in the afternoon. And that is when you are at your, that's when you're going through your cognitive dip. So it's the worst time of the day to try and do the important work. And that leads to this sense of frustration and also this kind of hopelessness, which can, which can arise. Like whatever I seem to intend to accomplish, I can never get there because I have no agency or control over my time. So one thing that I would say is to give people a sense of agency over their morning and to ideally start to establish expectations of when you can expect to reach and receive a quick message from a colleague. So for example, if, and it doesn't have to be every day of the week, but I just give this as a basis of an example. If on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, nine to 11 or until 11 AM for certain members or all members, depending on the type of work that's being conducted, because this isn't necessary for everybody, but it is for those who actually have to do deep work then there should be just those two hour blocks of each morning are dedicated to deep work. And then from that point on, we can communicate through Slack or Teams or whatnot, and we can be in meetings. But don't spread it out over across the whole day. Segment it. Parcel it up into different, into different segments of the day and do it in the morning. Do it in the morning so that you can get that deep work done first. And that makes it easier then for people to release themselves from the obligations of checking their emails. It makes it easier for them to feel like they're in this constant mode of checking things. So that's a big, big, big thing, if that can be part of the practice. And the second thing is to recognize that just making communication easier doesn't make people more efficient. So you need to recognize that in the different mediums of how we communicate, it shapes the context. So, for example, a company who has widely adopted what we do in terms of the idea of it, I just found out that they have deployed um, an internal text messaging system. So now you're going to have like not just that you can be reached on your own number, not just that you can be reached on Teams, on your phone, whatever else, but also there's going to be this app that you put on your phone. And that's like internal text messaging from within the company. And they were saying, this feels so frustrating because we're aware of the science of how we can perform to our best, but then all of these systems are being deployed. And I spoke to that IT team and I said, you guys are the gatekeepers of attention. So be very wary when you bring things on and it's being sold to you by the salespeople as this will make your team 20% more efficient. It will make communication 36% faster. 
Yes, it might be, but it means that the quality and the, the quality of the communication degrades, and it means that people's attention is being more and more fragmented. Because the final thing that I just want to say on this is much like having many social profiles, if you have many spaces where you can be reached, that means that you have an obligation to be constantly checking them throughout the day. And that can become the primary activity of your workday. And that's where we end up in continuous partial attention. So the more available you are in different spaces, the more you have to be occupied just checking them to see if anybody needs you. And that means that if you turn off the notifications on your phone, you have to go out and searching for it. And if you don't, then you have the notifications and you're getting pinged by them all the time. So making things tighter and more narrow and making the noisy things inefficient and the important things easier or more effective or more efficient is really important. So those are, those are some of the things that employers need to offer to their teams. Employers need to offer to their teams. Yeah. And that, that is really, really good advice. Um, Really good advice. The, the the meet the meeting thing is a really really good one actually. And uh, we we used to I always used to insist on a kind of like a nine a.m. stand up half an hour meeting on a Monday, and uh, that we, uh, we 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 took took views on that. And that, that that meeting now takes place. It's it's slightly longer, but Tuesday early afternoon because people have got into their day, people have got into their week. Uh, and and they're they're better able then to to make a, a more valuable contribution. And it's important it's important to meet, but you've got to really understand okay why are you meeting and what's the value for. So that 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 really works. And yeah, I mean, what what a dilemma is that though? And the whole thing about notifications because I'm quite good at turning notifications off, but that's the exact trap that I fall into, which is then because the not notifications off, I have to go looking for it. And uh, so I I, I need to. I suppose instill that discipline that says, you know, and I've done it. I've put two blocks in my calendar in a day where I kind of I've called it admin or admin or whatever. Um, but I know that I look at I know that I look at my phone and my emails outside of those times. It's about that daily discipline and, and, and reminders, I guess, um, to really make sure that I'm, you know, following my own rules. And freedom, if freedom is an amazing app for this, if you haven't used it. So freedom is where you can, you can have a schedule set. So certain apps uh, that you can have that are, you know, blocked at certain times of the day, you can even set it up in your browser and your computer so that the internet is shut down. If I have to write, I'll have it so that I'm on my computer, but the internet is shut down for maybe 90 minutes. So that means that I'll just you know, save the things that I feel like I need to research about rather than researching them as I'm writing. Uh, so there's, there's, you know, it's once again, we just have to create these, these little conditions and environments that make one decision that save us from having to make a thousand later decisions. Yeah, it's brilliant. And I did, I did write down Freedom App earlier on, but now I've circled it twice. And uh, mm -hmm. if I had a highlighter, I'd probably be highlighting it as well. So I'm definitely going to, definitely going to give that a go. That's brilliant. Okay, cool. Well, Patrick, I mean, this, this podcast is called uh, People with Purpose. So, um, so what's your, um, what's your definition of purpose and, and, and what would you see as the purpose of, of your life? I think my purpose is, is twofold. My purpose in a broader sense is, is contribution. And then in and of myself, it's, it's exploration. I'm, I'm very curious to see who I am in different spaces and different dynamics, who I am in, in different terrains. 
um, spaces where I feel uncomfortable, spaces where I don't know myself and seeing who arises in those moments. And that's probably something that I'm trying to share with others as well, because that's where I find that the richness and the nectar of life is, is that all of this is ultimately an internal game and it's a joy. And the, the variability, the struggles, the challenges, there's an immense amount to be taken from them. There's an immense amount to learn from it. There's been periods of my life where I've made it slightly too comfortable and I haven't enjoyed it at all because all I do is keep reinforcing more comfort and there's not much to be gained or learned from that. So it's not as though I'm seeking out suffering, but I'm, I'm seeking out, I would say, discomfort, uh, spaces where I feel like there's new things to be explored within myself. And, and that's something that I'm trying to offer to others, because if we have that, then suddenly what's available to us on the screen is is so unenjoyable. But if we don't have that, then it's easy for us to be captivated by what many people will be like the new Apple headset, because it will offer a much more exciting world for the eyes and for the ears than you'll ever get to experience within yourself. Amazing. So that that purpose then around self-discovery uh, and and helping helping others to discover themselves in turn, is that Summary. Yeah, and I think to take to take responsibility for your life. Yeah. You know, don't 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 expect anybody to come along and 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 also don't don't settle for for pre-digested knowledge. You know, go out and find it for yourself. I have I have a great agitation with when I work with corporate clients and they look for key takeaways. And and similarly, I there's a people, a couple of people I followed on LinkedIn, and they put out, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people find it really helpful, but it's it's stuff that isn't asking you to think at all. So I think I want to help people think, like, you know, and craft your own vision and view of yourself. And, and your authentic expression is not what we see. It's what you connect to. Your authenticity is not the external expression of it. It's the internal connection to it. And that's your own experience. Nobody will ever understand what it's like to be you, what it's like to inhabit this body and this experience of yours. Hmm. So it best feel like it's the most real thing that you have for yourself. Because... Nobody, nor you, nor I, nor anybody else can guide us to find what this authentic experience of life is. We must simply inquire and explore it for ourselves. And there is no right or wrong answer. It is simply just the experience that you have. Mm. So for that, we need to wake up. We certainly can't just settle into shallow forms of pleasure and, and distracted entertainment. And uh, that's what I'm trying to help people through. And, and to do it in a way that offers tools to get there and skills to get there. Uh, that's 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 crucial as well for this fantastic brilliant okay cool and so um i've got one more question i suppose um before i ask you to to tell people how they can find out more about you and get in touch and everything else um what's the business case for personal development for personal development well personal development is such a broad theme so i would say more the element that we're focused on is the fundamental cognitive skills. So let's look at attention and focus just as the baseline of that. These are literally skills that you're using moment to moment, day to day, and you're being told to focus and you're being told to pay attention, but nobody has actually explicitly explained how to do it and guided you on how to improve it. So if you want your people to perform, and if you want to talk about a business case, those who can focus in today's world will move twice or three or four times as fast as everybody else. The bottlenecks that everybody are experiencing are not 
the speed of communication or the ease of access. The bottleneck that we're experiencing now is our own attention. And this was known that this was going to come in the 1970s. Because in a world where there's an abundance of information, the thing which is scarce is attention. So therefore, what you need is you need to make sure that you organize the most important resource that you have within your company and you put it to use effectively and efficiently. And that's what we're helping companies do. Brilliant. Cool. That's, that's really, really so clear. Thanks so much for that, Patrick. So, so how can people uh, find out more about you, uh, follow you, get in touch if they want to? So hara.co, H-A-R-A, is, is the organization, and that's where we do our work from. You can connect with me personally on LinkedIn, Patrick McAndrew, if you want to get in touch. And I also have a Substack where I occasionally post some thoughts on attention and our expanding relationship with technology, and that's on The Inner Landscape. So theinnerlandscape.substack.com. Oh, brilliant. Patrick, thanks ever so much for coming on People With Purpose. Thank you, David. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to People With Purpose. I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Uh, Tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye. Bye.